Hello, and welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast number 11. We're here with Colby Patnode, Dan Clark, and Riley Baker, uh, all Soto Mojo contributors. And guys, you want to say hello? What's up? Hey. Hey, what's happening? All right. So Mariners had a you know tougher week, um, finishing three and four uh, against the uh, Twins and the Texas Rangers, uh, but we're able to salvage the one win uh, in Texas this weekend and avoid getting swept. Guys, what are you thinking? Uh, Colby, you want to go first, and we'll make the loop, Riley and then Dan? Sure. Um, You know, this weekend was uh, frustrating, I would say. Um, The pitching staff was bad uh, for the most part. Yesterday it was pretty solid. Um, Yeah, but, you know, it's – Every time you think you're ready to give up on this team, they go and they put up a four spot in the first inning against you, Darvish. So I mean, yeah. you just you never really know with this team. Um, you know, overall, a three and four road trip isn't great, but it does kind of keep them where they need to be on the road, which is just playing around 500 ball. And uh, now the schedule really opens up for them. So uh, you know, again, it was frustrating weekend, but uh, they did just enough to. Uh, kind of keep me from jumping ship on Sunday. So uh, despite the four outs that they gave up on the bases, but uh, yeah, you know, other than that throughout the week, it was, I don't know. I'd give it like a C if I was grading it, but uh, yeah, the Texas series was certainly frustrating. For sure. Yeah, I agree. They, they did enough. It could have been worse than three and four, I guess. Four and three, five and two would have been great. But now we're going into a homestand. You know, Felix is coming back on Friday. Kuma, I think, might be back this weekend, I saw. Yeah, that's what they were saying. So, yeah, so, I mean, what are we, three games under 500? That's Hopefully this team gets healthy, you know, stays healthy, can find a consistent grind. And, I mean, what was it, three weeks ago or something, we were 10 under 500, so... Just like Colby said, like they just keep fighting back just when you think all is lost. So hopefully things can kind of get turned around in, you know, hopefully they can go above 500 this homestand. Which will be tough to do considering we're playing the Tigers and the Astros. It will be <laughs> tough, but I mean, yes, we can always never, stay hopeful. Yes, As a Mariners you never, fan, you have to stay hopeful. You can never question this team because you never know what they're going to do. Dan, what are you what are you thinking? Yeah, the last week, yeah, it has been sort of tough, especially like like the boys said there against down in Texas. Uh, Minnesota, the the first four games were just seesaws the whole way. <laughs> um, Minnesota are sneaky. They're they're a sneaky good team, um, especially the last. I can't remember who it was, but the the guy that pitched on the last day in Minnesota. Um, Rios. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> sort of just sort of come out of nowhere this year, and he's been really good. Um, but yeah, as a as a mate of mine sort of reminded me, he's, he's a big sort of Texas fan. The last last weekend wasn't good. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, so we'll. Hopefully we can sort of get a couple back against him later in the year. But, yeah, this this week, hopefully coming up, we can 
get back home. Like you guys said, we've got Felix on Friday, Kuma on hopefully if everything goes well with his rehab today on Sunday. And I think they said Segura's a chance of coming back this week too. Yeah. Um, a couple of rehab games in Tacoma and then getting straight back in there. So, mate, by, by the end of the week, we should have three pretty big key pieces back in there, hopefully. Yep, you're definitely right. Um, yeah, you, uh, Iwakuma is supposed to make his rehab start tonight, or his second rehab start tonight, I guess. He pitched for Modesto, um, four scoreless, obviously. I mean, it would, it would make sense he would throw four scoreless, but, um, you know, it looks good. He's pitching again in Tacoma tonight, and, um, <clears throat> yeah, should make it back by this weekend um, on the right rest. But, yeah, so... Um, the same also, yeah, with Felix. He threw his last rehab start um, this weekend, went six innings, um, didn't give up a run, uh, which is a good sign for the Mariners. While obviously only against AAA bats, he you know, still pitched well. He had good command. Um, and everybody kind of said that yeah, he looked ready to go and ready to be back. And obviously just having another competitor like Felix on the mound, uh, there's just a stark difference in, you know, who's you know i mean just like even if his you know pitching isn't what it used to be or whatever just having his presence you know on the mound in the clubhouse etc um it, it's it's a booster for the mariners so you know we can we can hope that that goes well <clears throat> when he comes back um up next we've got uh james paxton uh on the agenda for this podcast uh back-to-back tough starts for big maple uh, what, what do you guys, what do you guys see there? Are you a little bit concerned? Are you not concerned or are you, you know, just as optimistic? Everybody has bad starts. Colby, you can take this one first. Um, I would say there's a little bit of concern. Um, it's not the primary, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's injury related, uh, which I'm sure is the bigger concern, but, uh, the fastball velocity is about what it's been. Um, just, you know, half a mile or so less than it has been. So that doesn't seem like the issue. Uh, the last two starts, it just kind of looks like he doesn't have command of the fastball. And when he can't throw the fastball where he wants it, the curveball is worse and the slider is worse. So you have to, he really has to dominate with the fastball and get it where he wants it to go. Um, because it really doesn't have a lot of movement to it. It's a pretty straight fastball, but he throws it at 98, you know, 98 to 100 miles per hour. And then he's got the hammer curveball and all that other stuff to back it up, so he doesn't have to. But if he doesn't have command of it and he's leaving that in the middle of the plate, he can't get to the slider or the curveball or any of that stuff. So he really has to work on that. He says he thinks it's something that's mechanical and it's something that he can fix, which uh, you know makes sense for Paxton, who's had some uh, issues repeating his delivery and all that stuff in the past. So hopefully it's just a couple bad starts where he didn't have it and, uh, and he – corrects it and he goes back to being close to what he was at the beginning of the year. And the other thing too is is that we could not possibly have expected James Paxton to be as good as he was before he hit the oh, DL. Yeah. I mean exactly. he, was, he was the American League Cy Young winner, almost a runaway oh, yeah. at that point, ahead of Sale and all those other guys. And so, you know, it's a little bit regression to the norm probably. It's a little bit he's trying to feel get a feel back for his fastball. But uh yeah, you know, I would say like 10% in the back of my mind. I'm a little bit concerned, but most mostly I'm just looking at this as just a blip in the radar and 
he'll come back in the next start or two and he'll be uh he'll be back to his old self yeah yeah riley anything to add to that i mean no colby kind of just hit all the points there I, <laughs> yeah i mean sorry i think no you're good i can try and elaborate i guess i mean i kind of think it's yeah the same thing how it's just mechanical um it happens with every pitcher at some point something gets off timing gets off a little bit somewhere in the delivery so i think he'll just keep working on things work with the coaching staff and yeah like colby said a start or two he should be back to back to being able to control his pitches and throw some strikes quality strikes dan what are you thinking yeah and i like the last two guys said i think it's the pretty much covered it um yeah i'm not really too worried if i think he goes wednesday against verlander see how that one goes but yeah no i'm not not too worried as of yet i think he'll pull through pretty quick i think that's the same thing um i'm feeling right now with uh mitch hanniger uh kind of like the part about how no one could have expected him to be as good as he was at the beginning of the season and if you just kind of you know, can play to a fraction of that or not a fraction, but, you know, you know, like three quarters of that or something like that, you know, play quality baseball, um, <clears throat> but not like to the point where you're just dominant, uh, you know, people are going to be okay with that. And so I'm hoping the same thing, you know, for, can happen with both Paxton and Hanniger to that regard. Um, yeah. So Paxton, um, I guess next we'll, hit the draft Colby you want to give us a rundown of the draft what you liked what you didn't like whatever sure uh I guess we'll just start at the top here uh the first round the Seattle Mariners selected Evan White who is a first baseman from the University of Kentucky um he's a really interesting player in that he is uh one of the most athletic players in this draft and yet he plays first base not typically a position, especially for Mariner fans who have watched Deho Lee and Adam Lind and even Daniel Vogelback a little bit play first base. So, I mean, White is a really interesting player in that regard. Uh, somebody, I believe it was Jim Bowden, of ES, I think he's still with ESPN, uh, he, uh, he came out and said that when Evan White signs, which he did uh, this morning, I believe, uh, or last night, when he signs, he instantly becomes the best defensive first baseman in professional baseball. So, wow. right, yeah, right away you have an elite defensive first baseman if the Mariners choose to keep him there. Uh, there are some scouts, including some coaches from uh, Kentucky on the staff there, who think that Evan White could, be, could turn into a solid above average center fielder and be really good in the corners. That's how athletic he is. Um, the bat, he controls his own really well, which we all know DePoto really likes. He takes his walks. Um, he's continued to grow into some power over the last few week, over the last few years at Kentucky, which is all great. Um, we're talking about a guy who legitimately is a good enough athlete. He can steal 20 to 25 bases a year. And, you know, right now you would probably estimate the power at about 15 home runs. But as we know, power is kind of the one thing that you can learn at the big league level as a hitter, you can kind of grow into more yeah. power as you get bigger, stronger. So you're looking at a potential 2020 gold glove first baseman. Um, you know, just the three comps I saw that really, you know, piqued my interest. Um, Jason Churchill of Hero Sports and Prospect Insider, he said he reminded him a lot of a right-handed Kristen Yellick, who is, you know, obviously an all-star center fielder for the uh, 
for the Marlins. Uh, Dan O'Dowd of MLB Network comped him to um, A.J. Pollock, who is a really good center fielder for the Diamondbacks. And then uh, I believe it was Jim Callis that he reminded him a lot of uh, Cody Bellinger, who is probably the National League Rookie of the Year right now. So, I mean, those are three really exciting comps for Mariner fans. Um, You know, the comp I kind of had was Eric Hosmer, who is, you know, also another solid player. So uh, White is a really nice pick there. Um, The one that most people seem to be excited about, uh, myself included, though, is the second-round pick. His name's Sam Carlson. He's a high school pitcher from Minnesota. Um, I know that Christopher Crawford of Hero Sports had him as the number 15 overall prospect in the entire draft. Um, I know that MLB Pipeline, MLB Network, or MajorLeagueBaseball.com, their prospect rankings had him 15th as well. Um, By all accounts, this guy shouldn't have been there when the Mariners picked in the first round, and he falls to the second round due to some signability concerns. But uh, one thing I think you can guarantee about Jerry DePoto and the staff is that they would not have taken somebody that they did not know that they were going to be able to sign. So he's he's got uh, really good stuff. He's got three-plus pitches already and the changeup that he's working on uh, that could be average one day. Uh, he throws a lot of strikes, which is kind of rare for a high school guy. Uh, 93 to 94 with the fastball, pretty good off-speed stuff. And even though he's a high school guy, I think there's a chance that he could actually be in the big leagues in two or three years as opposed to the four to five years that most high school kids take just because he's so advanced with his command and his control. So I think when you're looking at Evan White, he should be up no later than the start of the 2020 season. Uh, Maybe even possibly two years from now in the middle of the 2019 season. And then Carlson, I think the earliest you probably could be is 2020, but uh, he's got some real good stuff. So uh, those are the top two picks. Pretty much everybody agreed that they were home run picks for the Mariners. Uh, I'm going to be rewriting the Soto Mojo prospect list. And I think both of these two guys are going to be in the top four. I mean, that's how uh, that's how talented they are. And then you look at the rest of the draft, there was a lot of money. There's a lot of below-slot guys that got drafted uh, because they need the money to sign Sam, Sam Carlson. Um, Evan White took a below-slot deal, which is great. It saved the Mariners $300,000. It seems like they're going to be able to sign Carlson. So, Carlson's, you know, I, Carlson's currently the only unsigned uh, out of the uh, Mariners' top 11 picks. But judging by his, you know, Twitter and just like kind of the way he's treated this, he's going to sign with the Mariners eventually. I don't know when that's going to be, but he, you know, he went to, he was at Safeco um, last, mm, a couple days ago, had just kind of a get together with the Mariners and some other people. And uh, he said he really enjoyed it, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I would not, it wouldn't, you know, take a whole lot for them to sign him, I don't think. He'll get above slot money. Uh, he probably gets roughly first round money, but uh, you know, again, to get a top fifteen pro- a top fifteen draft prospect in the second round uh, is good for any team. But it's really nice to see for the Mariners who took a risk on that. Uh, we've seen in the past they weren't exactly you know willing to take a lot of risk in the draft, but it's nice to see. Uh, just real fast, a few names from the later rounds to keep an eye on. Uh, David Benuelos, I think is how you pronounce it. He's a catcher from Long Beach State. Uh, he is a defensive first catcher who's going to make the big leagues as a backup catcher. He's got some pop, but uh, you know his best tool, he is he's a really good defensive catcher who threw out 61% of runners who tried to steal against Whoa. him this year. 
<laughs> yeah, guy's got a big arm. He knows how to frame pitches. He box well. He throws guys out, and he's got some pretty good pop. Uh, Max uh, Max Roberts is a guy from Community College. He's a local guy, but he plays at uh, Wabash County Community College. Big time stuff. Seventh round pick, six foot five, still growing into his body. He looks really good. He averaged more than I think he had ninety nine strikeouts in ninety six innings this year, um, which is really nice. And then you know finally the last guy. Uh, not to hog all the time here, but uh, there is a outfielder. I I had his. I only have his last name here. His name is Cook. He was a t- eighth rounder, I believe it was. Uh, he's an outfielder. He can run around. He's got a little bit of pop. He's a good player. So those are just some guys to keep an eye on. Sounds good, Colby. Um, the yeah, I I definitely I think I agree. Um, there's a on the website. Colby wrote a breakdown of those first two picks Evan White and Sam Carlson um, with you know just some other various stuff and some highlight videos so check that out um, I guess um, we don't have a whole lot else but let's let's just take a second to relish in the fact that Mike Zanino is playing like a very quality Major League Baseball player right now and we don't have to throw qualifiers on his play to justify the fact that he's taking up a roster spot because the guy's hitting like 250 right now and he's raised his batting average like 110 points in the last couple of weeks. So, and he now yeah. holds the Mariners catches RBI record. No, oh, like right, June right, most, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, most in a month with 22, and the last one was yeah. 21. And um, yeah, no, he's he's playing phenomenally right now. That that stint in AAA um, really, you know, did him well because he was really struggling and. You know, I, I'll be the first to admit I was calling for a new option at catcher, and I didn't know where that option was going to come from. But to send him down for you know two weeks like they did, to have him come back and hit like this, you know, that's that's about as good as they could have hoped. Um, you just kind of hope that you know he'll sustain that through the rest of the year, and you know, I mean, not necessarily he doesn't have to keep raising his batting average like he is, but. Uh, you know, just, you know, if he can consistently hit about 250, you know, that would be phenomenal for Mariners and, you know, Mariners fans and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so uh, on the upcoming, um, we'll just kind of quickly look at that and you guys can give your thoughts. Mariners have uh, four against the Tigers um, tonight, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and then three at home against the Astros. Tonight's game's on ESPN. And uh, <clears throat> before we started recording, we talked about the Mariners ESPN curse. Um, we, we think that the last time the Mariners played on ESPN was last year against the Cubs when um, everything just melted down late in the game. And uh, national TV hasn't really been good to the Mariners uh, in recent times. So hopefully they'll reverse fate tonight uh, against the Tigers at home. Um, so what do you guys think again, going into this week? We're 33 and, or 34 and 37, sorry. Um, and... We are kind of looking to get those guys back. You know, it's looking like this could be a good week. What do you guys predict is going to happen? Um, Dan, you can start. Then we'll go Riley, and then we'll end with Colby. Yeah, this week, I'm a little bit positive about this week. Um, like, like you said, we've got four against the Tigers first. It's sort of be tough, but big Astros series on the weekend. But the thing with the Astros at the moment is they're missing. They've got on the DL. Keuchel's on the DL, McCullough's on the DL, um, Morton's on the DL. Uh, and I think they've got another starter on the DL as well. 
So they've got their four of their five sort of projected starters all out at the moment. So if, if we're going to strike, I suppose this weekend's when we're going to do it, especially with Felix coming back Friday and hopefully Coomer on Sunday. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty positive about this week. And the first three games against the Tigers, you got probably the our top three guys going. You got uh, is it Gavilio tonight, Miranda tomorrow night, and then Paxton after that. So yeah, I'm I'm bullish about this week. I think I think we can do a bit of damage this week. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of confident for this week as well. Just like we've said, we got some people getting healthy coming back. Um, seven games at home is always nice. Um, if we could, if we could go four and three on this home stand, that'd be great. Always better to go above five hundred than below five hundred, obviously. Um, and then, like you said, Dan, Houston's kind of been hurting. I think they're four and six over their last ten games, so. Maybe they're a little bit vulnerable right now, and hopefully we can take advantage of that. Yeah, I think a four and three week is pretty good. It's always tough to uh, it's always tough to sweep a four game series. Um, it's tough to win three games in a four game series. So I always just kind of I'm hoping for three, and I think the matchups look like we can probably take three from Detroit, and then just just don't get swept over the weekend. Um, <laughs> You know, Houston is struggling right now, but it doesn't seem to matter what Houston looks like or who who's playing for Houston. Houston just gives Seattle problems. Um, you True. Know, it's it's a little hesitant. I'm a little hesitant to just assume that Felix and Iwakuma are going to come back and be really good against a really good Houston Astros lineup. So I'm just don't get swept. Find a way to go four and three, and then you like you guys were talking about. You look at this schedule. There's 19 games until the All Star break, I believe. Sixteen of them are at home. You have a three games. You have a three game series against the Angels without Mike Trout next week, and then you are home for nine more after this seven game road trip. So I mean, there's a few there's a few days off thrown in there too. So they're not going to be tired or they shouldn't be tired or overworked. You're getting your guys back. This is when you have to make hay. Otherwise, I think you're going to have to start looking at the idea of selling at the deadline instead of buying. True. So uh, hopefully you. At the very minimum, you need to go three and four this week, but you probably should go four and three. And heck, if you can go five and two and get back to five hundred before you head back out on the road, that would be outstanding. So, uh, I think they can go four and three. Um, I'd be happy with four and three. Five and two would be fantastic, but I think that's probably a little bit too big of a stretch this week. Yeah, especially with who we're playing. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. Optimistic. Um, hope to see, you know, good stuff from the Mariners this week. Um, tune in tonight, ESPN, 9, 9-10 Central, you know, what, 7-10 Pacific, I guess. Um, but it should be good. We'll, we'll, we'll hope for the best here. Um, and yeah, go Mariners. Any, any closing thoughts before we uh, sign this podcast off? Anybody? Um, looking at the schedule, actually, we have these seven games and then an off day at home and two against Philadelphia before we go to L.A. There oh, we go. Right. Even better. Yeah, yep, even better. We could take a couple from the Phillies. Why not? Mm-hmm. And we did it earlier. Might as well do it again. <laughs> yeah. I think the Oakland A's are in that schedule, too. I mean, there's some pretty bad teams that the Mariners are going to be playing between now and the All-Star break, so they really need to take advantage. 
Um, I just wanted to point this out real fast. Uh, according to Fangraph's war metric, do you guys know who the most valuable Mariner has been this year? Mm. I don't know. Uh, the top? I, think I, I think I saw this um, or heard something about it. Gerard Dyson, I think, is right up there. He is number one with a 1.8 war, despite, a, despite a 244 batting average and a 326 <laughs> on base. Which wow. is his, his defense war has to be sky yep. high. Yeah, and he really doesn't make many mistakes, you know. True. Mm-hmm. Except, yeah, except maybe, maybe last night when he uh, almost got picked oh. off, or did get picked off. I don't remember. Did they overturn it? He did get it? picked off. Oh, no, he got okay. picked off. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> Seventeen stolen bases, though, and he's the best defensive outfielder in baseball so far. And uh, just real fast, number two there, Ben Gamble. Actually, I was, yeah, I can definitely believe that he's hitting. All right. Ben yeah. Gamble, Ben Gamble's crazy, and he, and Ben Gamble's only played you know like half of our games so far this season because he started the season at AAA. Um, ben Gamble's been a really good good thing to see this season. Hopefully, he can uh, play you know his heart out like he has been the rest of the year. That would be awesome. Yeah, at some point we're gonna have to have the discussion whether or not Ben Gamble is just a nice story or if he's actually somebody who the Mariners need to incorporate into their core. Well, he was one of those next guys with Hanniger and Segura and the younger guys like Seager he was, too. He was that yeah. interna- He was the International League MVP last year, um, or the the last season he was with the Yankees. Um, so I think he's always shown like promise, um, but this year he's really you know blasted out. You know, like he like he has. You know, he's at three fifty right now. But um, yeah, so I definitely I, I agree though that you know maybe it is like a nice story, kind of like the. The Taylor Motter, who's you know he's hitting 200 right now, but at the beginning of the year it was like, oh, who's this dude? This guy's crazy, grand slams and you know like everything. But you know at the end of the day, he's a 200 hitter, and he's not he's not the Mariners' answer. I mean, obviously not the Mariners' answer at shortstop because Gene Segura is the Mariners' answer at shortstop. But he's not he's not one of those players that the Mariners need to like key on building around and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely I agree with that that statement. Just with Dyson there, um, I was talking to, now I forget, somebody on Twitter there the other day, and they actually asked me the question, um, would you re-sign either Dyson or C-Shack? Um, I'd be interested to sort of hear your guys very quickly points on those two. Like, me personally, C-Shack, uh, I'm at this stage, <laughs> probably, yeah, I don't know, probably not, but Dyson... Like you said, he's the best defensive outfielder in the MLB at the moment. So and with all that speed, if you can get him at the right price, something sort of low, I would definitely think about keeping him. Yeah. yeah. Dyson's kind of like the perfect fourth outfielder in that you can start him for weeks at a time and he's not going to kill you. You can put him in the game late as a defensive replacement True. at all three spots. And Intra. again an absolute weapon on the bases. So, I mean, you put him in there, Zanino gets a double or something, and he's the tie and run. You take him out, you put Dyson out there to run for him, and now you have a real threat on the bases. So, if the money's right, yeah. But, I mean, the guy is 31. True. Um, I think the Mariners love what they have in the outfield um, coming down the pipe, too. Um, outfield depth is a real strength of the Mariners now. True. So, but, yeah, if the money's right, yeah. I would absolutely consider Dyson. i Probably wouldn't consider C-Shack unless the money is just ridiculously low. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I'd love to see yeah. Dyson back again. Um, he's kind of, at this point, one of those valuable pieces that a team picks up 
you know, at the deadline or mm-hmm. during the home stretch of the, the end of the season, just as one of those fourth outfielder guys, or you can throw him into pinch run to steal a money bag at the end of the near the end of the ball game. So, yeah, he definitely has a lot of value, and yeah, if the price is right, for sure, I agree. Alrighty, well, I think that concludes this episode eleven of the Soto Mojo podcast. Um, but we'll try and get back at it, uh, either, you know, this week or, you know, something like that and go Mariners, you know, let's do it.